0: All right, Pete Giuliano, let me make sure we're recording here. It's been kind of an unusual morning, but we're okay now. We're good. We're recording. We're good. And it is, let's see, let's say today is Sunday, the 2nd of September, 2018. That makes this Sutter Smoke?
1: 206, and a shout out to Ralph. Make sure you know it's 206, Ralph.
0: 206, 206A.
1: A, right.
0: Part 2. Part 2. Pete and I just finished up a really nice session with uh, the GQRP Club. Well, we'll try to get at least a portion of that on here. I think I had the recorder going for most of it, but we were just we, uh, you know, uh, Steve G Zero F U W invited us to come in and uh, and say a few words to the folks at the GQRP convention. We were very happy to do it. It was a lot of fun, but we we still have a lot of regular business to cover here at uh, at, at uh, on the regular Cider Smoke podcast. So Pete, what have you been up to?
1: Uh well, I've been working on whisper and ft8
0: <laughs> now this now this i want you know this is not a joke this it's not april 1st so when no, you hear pete no. Giuliano, n6qw say that he's been working on whisper and ft8 yes it's just a sign of the troubled times that we're living in
1: <laughs> <laughs> no no but there's really something good about this tell me if you look at the activity map on whisper that tells you two things one we're what is happening and if you look on 40 meters you can see a lot of dx on 40 meters yeah on the activity map so that's a real good clue the other thing that i discovered my antenna in using whisper i can tell i'm seeing stations that are northeast southwest <laughs> so my my antenna is working really well northeast southwest i can i can pick up australia new zealand and into europe and I'm I'm missing South Africa and Japan, so I mean it's a good a good indicator how well your antenna is working in certain directions. So there's a very positive thing with that too.
0: No, there is, and it's it reminds me of something that I I forgot to do, and I wish I had done it. It just didn't occur to me. I don't know why, but when I had my Moxon antenna up for seventeen meters, I, what I and after I got the microbit X, which gives you a nice CW capability on on seventeen, I never. I guess this is why I didn't do it. I never really had CW capability on 17 meters. I have the 17 meter BitX bit x 17 but it doesn't have any CW circuitry. The Micro bit x has good CW circuitry. If I had had the 17 Moxon up there with the Micro bit X, would have been great fun to aim the the 17 meter antenna at some of the stations that are on not on not on Whisper. But on the reverse beacon network, which is a similar thing, they have stations that are constantly skimming for for CWCQs and then spin the antenna around and see what it looked like off the back. It would be a really effective front to back. um, Yeah. So to that extent, Pete, I'm with you. But I got a caution that um, especially Whisper, I, I was into Whisper for a long time when it was new and it's great fun. But after a while, you know, you get the feeling that it's like it's antisocial because yeah. the computers are talking to each other and you're just sort of very peripheral to the whole thing.
1: Well, FT8 is worse. FT8 is <laughs> FT8 is I got to tell you this. They have a sequence. I mean, you you click on a station and all of a sudden the computer takes over and says, "Okay, here's your report." Uh 73s, boom.
0: I was in a sidebag contact with the guy on 60 meters this week and he said to me he saw a cartoon that made him laugh and at first I didn't understand it because he said there was a picture of a ham sitting there staring at a blank wall completely blank and the caption was isn't FT8 great
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. anyway I know people love it to each his own well who are we to criticize. Know. No, no. The other thing that's interesting, because I'm I'm interested in taking data, you can look at Whisper, and there's hardly any activity. You move from uh, on 40 meters from O thirty 600 up to 74, mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's packed. Yeah. So people have shifted off of Whisper over to FT8. I mean, it's packed, and lots of DX stations. I mean, you can really see in the Far East and in Europe. So, I mean... I, i'm not a proponent of it it was more a curiosity just to look at the data that's coming out of that and and there's so much i mean that screen lights up <laughs> on T eight. there's so many people involved with it so there's got to be more to it than uh you know like i said with hints and kinks and uh, technical topics before you could get some real meat out of that now it's about 30,000 menus on your latest $10,000 radio. You know, th- th- that's know. Just how to, how to tour the menus. What, what technical content is that?
0: I know. I know. I know. We're, 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 we're fighting against the tide though here, Pete, but, but we have to keep up the good fight. That's it. You know, I, I, I tell you, I got, I get into trouble sometimes on the, on the air because I'll, I'll be having a really nice contact with somebody and we'll be talking about the old days and ham radio and home brewing and all that stuff. And then the guy will tell me that he's on, you know, an Anon or a Flex SDR rig. And then they'll kind of pour a big bucket of cold water right on top of my head by saying, you know, these SDR rigs are absolutely the future of ham radio. In the future, there's only going to be SDR radios, and that's going to be it. And it's going to be wonderful. And I just sort of cringe a little bit. I, I you know, and I try not to, you know, who wants to get into an argument? Because again, it's a hobby and to each his own. But I'll try to go back and say, well, you know, there's a, sure, it's great to have all the wonderful displays and the brick wall filters and all that. It's terrific. I said, but there's an element here that needs to be remembered, and that is the downside of complexity. Those rigs are just so complicated, and there's really no possibility of you cracking that box open and, in any meaningful way, understanding how your signal is being created or, or received. Because it's all inside that microcontroller with what, a million transistors in there? Easy, oh, yeah. easy, right? And nobody really knows how that works. It's kind of the circuitry level. And the distance in terms of complexity between that rig and a, and a transmitter like my DX100, I mean, it's, yeah, it, how many orders of magnitude? In complexity a lot and I said to this guy I said you know there's a there's a certain um, benefit to having a rig in which if you cracked it open you could understand the purpose and function of every single component every resistor every capacitor every coil I said there's a beauty to that and it and we lose it when we go so deeply into these Super complex rig. So, I mean, I think that's one of the one of the subtexts of our discussion with GQRP this morning: the the benefits of, of simplicity. But um, I am sticking to the simplicity thing here, Pete. Simple. Could
1: you could you shift your camera? You're off my screen. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, oh, you're you kidding. Are. I think well,
0: he, I think he's messing with me. The other
1: here. direction. The other direction.
0: Holy cow!
1: There you are. <laughs> yeah. I wow. Mean,
0: I don't, how did that happen oh, yeah, I, don't know. I don't know complexity yeah all right they, there we are hey, okay i'm
1: looking straight at you now and you can
0: look at my bookshelf back there too yeah, i, fi- I cool. fixed the bookshelf hey cool. but talking about simplicity i guess we got to update guys on what we've been up to it, it I, you know the summertime we we have slacked off on sire smoke we missed uh, i think we must missed a month or two there somehow but it's summertime and everybody's busy with other stuff and so it's kind of it's better that we waited till september and here we are I was busy mostly with uh, with family stuff, a lot of back and forth, putting the kids in school, all that kind of stuff. And it's been good. It's been fun, but it's been not a lot of time in the shack. But one thing I did get, get was the replacement for my Moxon antenna, my beloved Moxon antenna, killed by the last Nor'easter of last winter and uh, kept dead by the... Uh, the, the rather discouraging prospects for sunspots in the years ahead. So I decided to go low in frequency. And I, I pulled out this um, um, doublet antenna that I picked up at a ham fest. I think I got it at Winterfest. And uh, it's a, um, what's the company here? I don't even know the name of the company. Oh, wait a second. Yeah, here, here it is Spyro Manufacturing Incorporated oh, yeah. from Lakeland, Florida. Uh, handles full power feed line can be shortened no adjustments necessary all band dipole antenna 135 feet overall with 100 feet of 450 ohm window line so i put the thing up and um, it fits in pretty well with my yard the apex is probably up at about 45 or 50 feet
1: good good height
0: yep and i got the the ladder line coming off of it and I, i deliberately decided not to let the ladder line lean up against the wood support for the center because i know it would get wet and i also didn't want the ladder line you know kind of tacked down to the roof because again i knew it would get wet so i have it kind of draped down to the corner of the roof and i put a little board off the edge of the roof right
1: hold it out hold it out it's like it's holding it out so it. it, it,
0: it doesn't drop down and slap up against the side of the house it drops down and just hangs about three or four feet and then it comes down to my really, I love my antenna tuner. This is fantastic. It, it's the two coils from dead Heathkit DX40s back to back. So you get symmetry. I've got a little bit, bit of air ducts coil stuck inside the DX40 coils insulated. I've got a capacitor in series with that center coil. So that, that's kind of the primary circuit. And then the DX40 coils have these great little kind of oh clips. They, you clip on them, right? Yeah, you yeah. clip on them. So They're I attach taps. taps. taps They're taps, taps, right? So I just yeah. use the taps to tap kind of the from from the ends of the coil, and also the antenna kind of goes in there by taps. And I have I built a little shelf for the FWR meter. I think I put a picture up, but it's yeah. great fun. I put a very low level signal from the Microbit X into the system, and I step outside. And I turn the two capacitors, and I boom, I get it down to zero or one-to-one SWR, and Bob's your uncle. That's it. Now, band changing is a bit of a chore. You have to step outside. I must admit, this has made me think about automatic antenna tuners. Oh, I'm just just thinking, just thinking, not, not yet doing.
1: Well, well, you know, you could take that Arduino on a stepper motor.
0: Well yeah i know it sounds painful <laughs> i think i'll just leave it the way it is i'll be cursing this thing when it's 19 degrees and windy here but uh anyway that's that that was my my major project and it's been great great fun because i've gotten on to i i, I was getting into a bit of a rut on 40 meter sideband, you know and now i get on and i i've been, been on bands that I, I i never really was active on before 75 meter am i get on with the dx 100 Checked into the old military radio net, right? I check in. I used to listen to those guys all the time. Now I check in, and with the DX100 and the doublet, I'm a big signal. I'm one of the tall ships, as they say. These guys, the the AMers on 75, especially the military equipment, it's a pretty interesting group. The Military Radio Collectors Association, MRCA, get this, you'll like this, Pete. They operate a net. On sixty meters, six zero, right? I, I guess it's because they can get some of the military gear to operate on the desired on the necessary channel, but it's channel three. I think that's fifty three, fifty seven. Channel three, and um, you get on there. That
1: will be the tunable one when they get it authorized.
0: When they get it authorized, right? For now, it's for now it's fixed, and they call the net. You like this, the moose and squirrel net. <laughs> now Pete's well, laughing because he knows where, yeah. what the origin of this is.
1: Yeah. Well, let me ask a question. How do they do? They operate more than hundred watts?
0: No, they're not allowed. Hundred watts. Yeah. Most yeah. most of the military gear is below that. So I, I think it's hundred watts ERP. So yeah. it's yeah. So you have to be careful. But nobody's, less nobody, than that. nobody's running direct. I've got my log here. It's uh, the the frequencies are five three three zero point five five three four six point five. and 5403.5 kilohertz. And it's open to general, advanced, and amateur extra license. Maximum effective radiated output of 100 watts PEP. Only um, USB, CW, RTTY, PSK31, and other digital modes such as PACTOR. And it tells you, if you're going to go on CW, where you have to put the CW signal in that specific passband. And I actually worked a CW station on 60 meters. Wow. Wow, it's you know, like weird.
1: You, you were talking about the UK and 60 meters. They do have 60 meters, but they have a special CW frequency on 5.282. I think, is the frequency in the UK. We don't have that authorization. But we
0: could do cross-band,
1: right? You you could. But the thing that's fascinating about that, you can buy 5.282 crystals, which are standard. Oh, wow. So you could build like a crystal filter (laughs) at 5.282 and don't do any frequency conversion. Run the run the antenna right into right into that and then offset your BFO. So, I mean, you could have a really super QRP low power station and then a crystal controlled transmitter. Wow. <laughs> 5.282 and boom. They, I mean a real simple. Bob's your yeah, uncle. Yeah. Bob's your uncle. A real simple 60 meter high quality transceiver because they have the authorization, but we don't have it here in the U S 5.282. I got a bag of crystals. oh
0: man (laughs) you're ready you you, you might you might you might just have to move to the uk to take advantage (laughs) (laughs) yeah but anyway i've been using the Microbit x and with the doublet and it's it's opened up kind of a whole new world of frequencies for me like i said i've actually i made a lot i've been making a lot of sideband kind of rag chew contacts on 60 meters i think i think the band is is misunderstood and uh but but it's it's actually a good rag chew band those frequencies, even when the bands are open, are, are, are very often not being used. I think a lot of guys are turned off by the, the channelization. And I also understand, if you're going to kick out of this, a lot of people are turned off on the band because of that 100-watt limit. Uh, I know. it's, but, but, this is, but this is poetic justice. This is justice. Because, look, anybody who thinks that they can't get through the day without a kilowatt, right? Yep. Yeah it's best that they stay away so i mean this is good right it, it, it actually kind of thins the herd a little bit on 60 meters and leaves leaves behind people who realize that it is possible to make a contact with 100 watts
1: well i i put my 60 meter rig on occasionally and as, with the exception of some guys that are on channel five and you hear some digital operations on three i don't hear too much here on the west coast
0: Ah, well, you got you might you might you might want to start colonizing there, Pete. Get some people yeah, there, to meet you, there up
1: you there. You anyway, I think we we, we, have much we, more activity on the east coast. Than maybe 60 meters.
0: Maybe yeah. Well, we, I mentioned the moose and squirrel. We got. I think we have to explain that. This is a reference to Bullwinkle Moose, and his long-standing Rocky. Cold War Rocky. fight against Boris and Natasha. Yeah. I, that's right. And so the moose and squirrel. That and they actually they have kind of a. a I think kind of a joking title they call it the uh, long-range recon patrol net that they (laughs) because i think some of them are using military gear intended for those kind of deep in the jungle kind of operations so it's an interesting bunch they're on it on on that channel 5357 i think it's tuesdays wednesdays thursdays and saturdays if i'm not sure i I know they're on saturdays 12 noon east coast time and i have checked in many times and it's 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 a fun bunch I made my sixty-meter contact there on CW. Not at that time. I even made a. a, a I got on thirty-meter CW. You know, Pete and I were we were we were a bit kind of put in a corner you know, unintentionally by uh, by Steve uh, G Zero FuW during the, our 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 participation in the GQRP convention because he mentioned that that Spratt has come out with like a one-watt challenge, and and he asked if whether Solder Smoke would be taking up the challenge and pete and i both kind of went
2: one (laughs) watt i
0: don't know (laughs) which is embarrassing for two members of the uh, qrp hall of fame
1: well you know i could i could dig out my shirt pocket transceiver there you go there you go
0: maybe i could put up my pull up my little fet one that i mentioned the one the single fet and now that i have my doublet antenna i might do that i might there i go there you go i'm gonna make a a sing, or you, I'm going to use the FET uh, the ET1, which is a, uh, an entire transceiver using a single FET. Not for the faint of heart. Not a good first project either, I must say.
1: I, I actually looked at that and i thought about bu- I thought about building it <laughs> but and then the guy you, but but then said you said,
0: took a nap and decided better of it huh? yeah, he, yeah
1: the guy said yeah i made a few contacts i mean it, it's sort of like uh, the pixie you know in that class it's
0: it yeah. makes the, it makes the pixie look sophisticated yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. it makes
0: the you look at the pixie you, after you build this thing you look at the pixie you say wow look at all those bells and whistles
3: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> oh man but what else um So, um, got the AM station going, got the, got the micro BIDX going, um, got the, uh, oh, I fixed up the VFO on my BIDX 20. I might've mentioned this last time, but it was drifting too much. And I just moved all the active components outside the box, kept all the frequency determining passive components inside the little metal box. And the thing is really, really stable. So it's, that's nice. But you know, I've been reading up on um, um, desirable IF frequencies. There's been a lot of talk about this. We won't, we won't go into the details about why, but um, it made me realize that when I built the um, my my receiver using the uh, the beautiful HRO dial that Armand gave me, you know this project, I made a mistake, a kind of a fundamental design mistake in it, and that. I I built a 40 meter receiver, single conversion receiver using the 455K CIF. It's just too close. I mean the image is just too close. And I have a bandpass filter at the front end, but I mean when you when you it's got like a preselector. And if you tune it to one side, yeah. you you got the signals you want, but if you move it just like a little bit over, you're tuning the other side of zero beat, So on one side, you're, you're tuning like 7.1. And on the other side, you're tuning like 7.8. It's just too close. So what I'm thinking about doing with this thing, kind of this, this might be a, a winter project, is cracking this box open again. I got it on one of these big, big metal boxes that our friend Tim sent us. Thanks again, Tim. But keep the VFO, because I got the VFO pretty much where I want it. But then build two crystal filters one i mean i don't know i I would have to pick the IF, but it would have to be up maybe like around five megahertz ten megahertz something like that and then build two of them one broad for am for shortwave listening and one narrow for ssb Not, i I wouldn't build a third one for cw because well you know um i I I don't want to get in trouble here but it's just not my thing anymore but and then have these two switchable in there. But then that would take care of this image too close problem, which is definitely there now. But um, that that might be one thing I'm, I might might do this winter. But you got a lot of projects going. What do you what do tell tell us about what you got going? Well,
1: first of all, I dug out uh, Charlie Morse's rig, and uh, he sent me some new software which uh, kind of cured some problems. So I've been having a lot of fun with the uh, his SDR uh, rig. And I may have to uh, get serious and get that put in a box, but uh, the his latest simplified version of software seemed to take care of some problems with the opposite sideband rejection,
0: mm.
1: and so that's worked very, very good. Matter of fact, I worked uh, a station in Australia uh, on 40 meters sideband. But I did have the big amp. I had the six hundred watt amp. In it, so it says, "Oh man, you're really strong here." Yeah. Uh, QRP is wonderful. Yeah. The other thing is, uh, and and it's um, the interest in the digital is um, was to see if you could just take an ordinary sideband transceiver and and put it on some of the modes. Now I know, uh, you know, like with the soft rock, and you've got the power SDR. You got a lot of functionality in there that you just—it just mates with Whisper automatically. You don't have to do anything uh, external. But how how do you take a regular transceiver? So, I bought this interface kit, the soundcard interface kit for uh, ten bucks. Actually, it was seven dollars and then three dollars shipping, and um, it goes into uh, the uh, serial port. And the serial port is what keys the 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 the, the transmitter in the very times that you're transmitting either with fda or whisper and that worked pretty good except most computers today including the raspberry pi don't have a serial port on them so then i said okay how, how can you do this with usb and adafruit industry sells a, a uh, usb to uh serial output except the voltages are different with the uh with the standard serial port you may see 10 volts and then the usb you only see about three so um i i have since come up with an interface now that you can key literally any upper sideband capable transceiver on, on whisper or ft8 using these uh couple of interface boards so uh, i've been playing with that not because i'm interested necessarily in doing it it's just how could you do it
0: yeah, yeah so yeah. so
1: that, that that's been the interest and uh it, it's interesting to see, as I said, the uh, the looking at whisper and FTA tells you a lot about your antenna. <laughs> I mean, you can see yeah. the activity map. Where are my receiving stations, and who's hearing me? And boy, it's northeast southwest. So, uh, pretty pretty interesting diagnostic tool for for your own self, not not just supplying data to Joe Taylor. It's what's my station look like?
0: All right. What's well, that northeast southwest? Not bad for you, right? No. Now you because you're getting Australia, New Zealand, and then you're getting up here to the uh, East yeah. Coast. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Well, anyway, I've been, I've been, I've been just trying to do some more get get on the air more, looking at projects. I found myself looking at the block diagram of the Heathkit HW101. Oh, you're yeah. working it. You're working now, I'm it. just saying. I'm looking ahead. I'm gonna probably probably gonna retire in a year or so here now. So. I, 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 I theoretically, I know this is a theoretical thing. I may have more time for projects, but uh, that's that's there, and it's kind of interesting because what would be cool about that rig is, first of all, solid state it get rid of all the all the heat and the tubes, and then but then take advantage of a lot of the circuitry that's in there. You know, a lot of the a lot of those um, bandpass filters that they've got in there after the first mixer, and they're all all in there and already switched from the front panel. That's a
1: real asset, right? You got to come up with tubesters. You know, just the, just, uh, just, just just plug them in there. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, someone came up with these tubesters for the Collins. Oh uh, yeah, that you could essentially put solid state devices right in right place in the there? Vac- vacuum tubes. You Just <laughs> plug them in. Yeah,
0: the impedances are way off, though. I mean, right? The, well, the, 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 you
1: they're, may they're, you may have to diddle with with circuit values, but you'd keep the integrity of the circuit
0: maybe, in, maybe. Other, in
1: other words like you say the bandpass filters they're all there in place and it doesn't matter whether it's a uh, a vacuum tube because you can always impedance match uh, to solid state so yeah i i am I'm, I'm following you <laughs>
0: well, well here's the other thing um you know as i was looking at the block diagram i realized that this is a project just calling out for the si-5351 because you got all three frequencies there. Because you need you need the VFO frequency, you need the you need a the, the, the crystal frequency from the, fir- the first mixer and then the second mixer, right? So you got three frequencies that you need there, and you could easily set up an SI fifty three fifty one to provide you all with a display, right? So I know you you already put the nice digital display in the HW one hundred one, but there's there's a lot of potential there. I, now the other the other big question is: Do you want to leave the the sixty-one forty-six final in there, or do you want to just take it out and put in something like from a Communications Concepts? Keep the whole thing solid state at twelve volts.
1: Or I was reading uh, when you were talking about the Frank Lee transmitter. Yeah. I, I happened to do an internet search, and then I came came upon your seventeen meter work, and you had there was some text in there. You said I'm looking for an eighteen to twenty-five watt solid state amplifier. Yeah. And you you got some responses back. They got a they got a seventy watt solid state amplifier kit from China for seventeen bucks. Wow! All the parts. The only thing you need is the filters and a heatsink.
0: Wow, that's pretty good. I mean, the EB sixty three A from Communications Concepts sets you back about a hundred bucks, but it's been good for me.
1: Yeah. So, so something like that. Seventeen bucks.
0: Yeah. I know, I mean, these are the things you could do, and, and I, 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 you know, leaving the 6146s in there, I mean, that, that means that I'm still going to be messing around with high voltage in this
1: yeah, thing. Yeah, wow, $17. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so maybe. Or if
1: you can get by with 45 watts, it's 15. Wow.
0: Yeah. yeah. Interesting stuff. Good stuff. And what else? What other projects? The SDR thing was impressive. I really liked your videos because all that haywire stuff like you always have. <laughs> and then I realized, wow, that's, that's SDR going on inside there.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: This gets us to Hans Summer's next project, the QSX. Look at you. I know you're, you're, you, you want one. I know you want one.
3: Mm,
1: well, <laughs> you know what, though, what, what caught my eye? And the same thing with Farhan. Of course, other people have since piggybacked on that. Why are you screwing around with an LCD? Why are you, Why do you put an LCD in there? Why wouldn't you go with a color TFT? I know. I know. I, I,
0: I've, got, I've got to make the move myself. I'm surrounded by LCDs here because they're familiar, and I haven't cracked the code yet. But um, maybe the next project I'll do that. Um, but, you know, what? Uh, maybe we should tell the listeners who might not be aware. You know, Hans came out with the QCX, the CW rig. Which still, I I like it a lot because the circuitry, it's basically a phasing transceiver using the phasing method and using the SI5351 to come up with the the local oscillator signal and the local oscillator signal shifted by 90 degrees, the quadrature signal, signal. Before Hans, nobody really had been able to do this. He was the one who cracked the code on how to get the SCI fifty three fifty one to put out two free, two exact two two signals of exactly the same frequency, but one precisely ninety degrees off, and it took some software magic, but Hans got it done, and so you end, and then 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 he put a very narrow audio filter at the output. So this is a, a single signal, direct conversion, transceiver, and then follow on the receive side following the direct conversion down to audio, he has a very narrow active audio filter in there, right? Which is really, it's cool. It seems complicated, but compared to an SDR rig, it's actually quite simple, right? So then he was, I knew that he, well, you and I had talked about it. Well, wouldn't it be great if he came up with with, a, with with an SSB version of this, right? And I thought that he was just going to widen the filter, Right, maybe put a mic amp in, in there or something, and again, Bob would be your uncle. But that's not what he did. He went, he went, he went, he went further and has come up with what's known as QSX. He revealed it at the um, the Yoda, youth, the Yoda, which they did in South Africa this yeah. year, which is pretty cool. And so there's a video on him describing the new rig, and um, I have it up on on the Solder Smoke blog. You should take a look at it. But it's it's definitely not a a kind of a, an SSB version of the QCX. It's fundamentally different, and it's fundamentally an SSB rig, but an SSB rig in which you won't require a computer. I mean, an SDR rig, but an SDR rig that won't require a computer. Right. That's the big deal. You won't have to hook it up to the uh, to the computer.
1: By the way, uh, just in passing, I've had a couple of emails with Eric, four Z one U G. Right. And he's building the uh, QSX. Oh, he's good got for him. On, he, He's got it on the bench right now. And and then I said, by the way, you know they got the other version. And he he comes back and says, "Why are you telling me this?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's building the QCX. Yeah, QCX. Yeah. He said, "Why? Why are you telling <laughs> telling me this?" Yeah.
0: Well, I was talking to a guy. I was talking to a guy yesterday, and he was telling me that him and his buddies were thinking about getting the QCX, and they were going to do it as a group build. And then I said, "Well." Uh, <laughs> few a more, few bucks more, <laughs> Take a bucks more, twenty-five dollars
1: more, twenty-five dollars more. you got this. Yeah. I wonder where he's at in the in the production cycle. Those were prototypes that he had, but they actually were kits that he handed out at the uh, Yoda conference. So, the, is he in production yet? I don't know.
0: I don't know yet. I don't know, but it's but it's interesting times. But I'm kind of stalled on building transceivers. I haven't built a, a transceiver now in, uh, in several months. I know, I know, I know. Well, you know,
1: you're going to have a lot of free time now that the kids are in school, you know.
0: The, yeah, I know. Theoretically, yeah. You don't yeah.
1: have to. You don't have to be the dr- duty driver.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But um, I don't know. I'm looking looking for projects here. I, I find myself you know, thinking about VHF and the satellites too, just to do something different. And I and somebody gave me. Um, uh, a friend from the local ham uh fest circuit um, gave me a beautiful little uh, VHF scanner, so I could set it up for the uh, for the satellites and listen to the satellites coming over. So that would be kind of fun. I, I like I like doing that. And you know, with the sunspots declining, you know, sun, the the conditions have been so bad that there've been days where even forty meters during the day yeah. is pretty useless.
1: You you wonder is the antenna connected?
0: I know. Is it broken? <laughs> yeah. Did I break yeah. the rig? Yeah. 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 So what, what, what's on the horizon, Pete? What, 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 what's your next steps? What are you going to build? What are you going to build when the. Uh...
1: I, I, I don't know. I just. Uh, hey, I need to ask you a question. Do you have. Did you get the compendium from Tony Fishpool on on uh, on technical topics? Do mm. You have that.
0: The compendium it, like the. Uh,
1: all, 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 the bad all the technical
0: things. topics. Yes, okay. I do. OK. Uh, and I have the well, books, too.
1: I was supposed to ask you that, but he sent them to me. Why do you do that to me?
0: Because <laughs> now you're just sitting there reading, right?
1: Yeah, and you're looking. Oh man, I could build that. Oh, that'd be great. Well, I popped open the 1958 edition of Technical Topics. Pat, Pat Hawker and Red. Yeah. And the first thing that caught my eye, and this is what kind of prompted uh, uh, an email to uh, to Eric. In 1959, when I was first on the air, my TR switch was a double-pull, double-throw knife switch.
0: is <laughs> <And Sasaki. Boom. laughs> Frankens- Like Frankenstein. Like
1: Frankenstein. Yeah. And one of the first articles in 1958 is an electronic TR switch using back hip tubes. I'm <laughs> just saying, back hip tube TR switches, I mean... Those are gone. <laughs> they disappeared. <laughs> but here I was with the double pole, double throw knife switch. So we had talked a little bit about that when I when I was interviewed by Eric. I said, Hey, you remember when I talked about my double pole, double throw knife switch? I said, We've come a long way and now T R switches are either relays or they're FETs, you know, it's yeah. just, it's all solid state. You you don't, you don't screw with that stuff anymore. So it's interesting to see where the technology has taken us. But I mean, there's so many things in those te- technical topics. I, I mean, and, and they were real simple things, you know, small projects.
0: Pat was a real genius. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. And he, and he, and he made, maintained that, that, that pace for, for years and years. Yeah, for years. I have I have all of them. I have all the books. I bought all the books in oh, okay. so paper. You got and so it. I could just reach over and, and, and grab one. And there's always something in there.
1: Wow! I Good mean, stuff.
0: It's, it's, three cheers for Pat Harker too.
1: And, and it seemed like the issue wasn't just one little area. I mean, with this 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 in just one article? You know?
0: So yeah. He was. You know. I, you know. Everybody. You know. You, you look back and you think, well, he he was a little bit um, skeptical about solid state gear. And, and he was, uh, I think he, he was really kind of uh, skeptical about the ability of amateurs to kind of make effective solid state equipment. And he, I remember him, he, uh, there were a couple articles there. He said, well, we can't, we can't possibly do this unless we all have kind of high end spectrum analyzers. And that's, that that turned out not to be the case. So, but then then later on of course by the end he was he was I think embracing the solid state technology, but it was interesting to see the initial reaction to to transistors. Podcast
1: 169, December the 6th, 2014 we talked about that. <laughs> 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 there you go. We're going to be we're
0: going to be like those two prisoners where the good guy they've all heard yeah. each other's jokes and the one guy says yeah. number 6 and the other yeah. guy laughs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Or, or I heard that uh, they were remembering John McCain yesterday, and uh, Joe Lieberman told said that McCain loved jokes, and his one of his favorites was the two prisoners, and the and the one prisoner said, "God, this food is terrible," and the other guy said, "Yeah, the last time I had a good meal was when I was in the governor's mansion." <laughs>
2: oh
1: God! <laughs> <laughs> Probably in Illinois.
2: <laughs> yeah, <Just> Ron. <laughs>
0: Oh man! All right, Pete. I think I think we better wrap this up. Yeah. I, we don't have any mailbag this week because we didn't we didn't plan on it because we were, you know, we were we were going with the GQRP guys. So we'll we'll put that in there instead. But did you do you remember any notable notable mail? We have somebody built the LBS.
1: Ralph. Ralph's got the play? LBS going. Yeah, he's he's really close. He's he's heard some first signals, but they're kind of weak, and he's waiting for a replacement AD ninety eight fifty. And and you and I both. Got back with him and suggested that his drive level may not be enough into the double melons mixers.
0: Well, actually, this is this is this is an interesting point because Ralph built the whole yeah. LBS and he did a nice job on it. Oh. He made he you know he he want, he needed something to mount the BNC plugs on the back, so he like ingeniously took the tops of coffee cans, screwed them onto the wood base, and then put little holes in it and put the BNC the bayonet. Female connectors and the in audio there. output. I know, really nice.
1: And, and you see how up to him it was. He cut the he cut the lid in half, so he had right. two so halves. The, she had so these two little arcs back there flush with the edge on either really, side. Really, really nice. Yeah. Very, very, very
0: nicely done. But he, um, in I guess, in a burst of enthusiasm kind of blew up the, uh, the 80-9850 by plugging <laughs> plugging it in backwards. <laughs> I done hey, that.
3: I've done
0: that. don't feel bad, old man, because yeah. I soldered them in backwards, yeah. okay? Double-sided yeah. boards, all right? So he yeah. just plugged it in backwards and let the smoke out. So he thought he had to wait until a replacement eighty eight ninety eight fifty 9850 board came in, but you and I, I think, both simultaneously went back and said, no, yeah. no, man, you got a signal generator there. Just put the signal generator where the 80-9850 output is supposed to be. But... I think I think we we both also. He said he could hear faint signals, but he couldn't hear them very well. And I think it's probably because he doesn't have enough LO energy going in there.
1: Well, the other thing that, too, I cautioned him on is, don't do the wholesale. Let's try open this up. Let's open that. Take one little area.
0: I know, <laughs> and, I know. And,
1: and investigate that area. You know, I said, take your audio amp and put your cell phone in there. And if you get a, you know, make sure the audio amp's working. It may not. It may be something as simple as. He's got a problem in the audio amp and not in in, in the rest of the radio. So work your yeah, way backwards. Work your way circuit. back. But I
0: but I think it's a strong suspicion that he might he just might not have the uh, and enough might, LO energy going in there.
1: And it might be the BFO too because he's using an eighty ninety eight fifty. He must be using a crystal oscillator for the BFO. So you need to have enough BFO energy in there yeah, to yeah. detect it. So
0: yeah, that's it. Both 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 places. Yeah. All right, Pete. Is
1: the house pretty quiet now that all the, the kids are back in school?
0: I don't like it. I don't like <laughs> it. I mean, I wish they were back here. I miss them. I miss them a lot. But yeah, um, at dinnertime,
1: time, you can sit there and hear all the latest problems and everything else. It gets real. It gets, straight. Nah,
0: it's straight. it's going to take me a while to get used to it. I, I don't. I'm, I'm not crazy about it. But uh, anyway, off they go. They both have. They're both doing very well, and um, and so that that's that's really really good. That's the important thing. But it does take It is a bit of a change. Anyway, it'll make it easier for us to get out of here in the winter. Our plan is to head to the uh, to the islands in, in January, February.
1: Oh yeah. yeah, nice out of
0: here, man! Cold, cold. Yeah, up
1: here. and you're not limited to just their vacation. You can pick your time. No, Peter. no, we'll be
0: we'll be, we'll be back here for their vacation. Then we'll take off when they go back to school. Ah, Pete is sitting there in a Hawaiian shirt he's ready but he's into it hey,
1: yeah <laughs> hey, actually the weather's gotten a lot better it it was hot here uh, since our last podcast we saw some days with 106 degrees i mean fortunately we have air conditioning but i couldn't work in the shack i mean oh man
0: we gotta we gotta get you an air conditioner and a heater there you go <laughs> yeah, take up
1: insulate the garage
0: to do something we gotta because we, we gotta keep you productive
1: yeah there you go well listen have a great week i'll say seven threes from the left coast and you take care
0: Okay, have a great rest of the Labor Day weekend. Happy Labor Day to everybody in the U.S. who's celebrating it this weekend, and and 7-3s from from Northern Virginia to everybody. Okay, we have a few minutes here. We're going to present um, about 15 minutes of our discussion with the GQRP Club. I wish we had more, but we had a few technical difficulties. We had a great time with the guys from GQRP and here's uh, the i guess about the final 15 minutes of our participation at gprp club convention thanks to gqrp and sprat magazine
3: before you were speaking we had vic who, who's sitting over to my right talking about the uh, the gm30xx challenge and uh, was giving us a recap on the oxo uh, so we went from uh, from the arduino cutting edge stuff to the old uh, oxo which was uh, was brilliant um so yeah if we can we can over- actually i'll start with the first question mentioning vic in the last Sprint, Vic mentioned the, the, the challenge for members to take up the cudgel and follow uh, uh, George Burt's example to do a, a 1 watt transceiver or at least a 1 watt transmitter and put it on the air and see what you can do between now and March. Will solder smoke take up that challenge? That's my question to you.
0: Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Pete? <laughs>
1: <laughs> one watt? You, you're su- you're suggesting one watt get on there with one watt? Now,
0: now Pete, you got to remember, we have to we have to we have to we have to warn the audience here that we're under certain legal constraints be, because we're both card-carrying members of the QRP Hall of Fame. Right. So, Pete, uh, what would you say about the one watt uh, challenge? Well, and, and I assume I, it's CW too.
1: Oh. Well, I watch S- S- right? sideband. I One watch sideband.
3: Yeah, let's see what you can do from that side. Or, of the or
0: Pete, you could go. You could go with your new enthusiasm for FT8. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> whisper. Yeah, There
3: you go. Neck yeah. yeah. bounce. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's that's my question. So, anybody got questions for Bill or, or Pete? There must be some questions. All right, I'll steal the show. Then another one. I've got an IRF five ten taking off. Where do I look?
0: Oh, uh, I don't know. Um, the, <laughs> some humorous responses come to mind, but I, I better I better not uh, because because <laughs> we've all been there. First, I would say don't try to don't try to see if it's if it's in trouble by putting your thumb on it
2: <laughs>
0: because I for a while there I had the imprint of an IRF five ten. Kind of burnt, burned into my thumb, and it wasn't a very pleasant experience. So I, w- I would stay away from from that. The second thing I would say is, um, welcome to the club, because uh, runaway you know amplifiers that want to be oscillators, it's uh, they they almost always start out that way, and the 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 thing you have to do is figure out how to carry out the appropriate exorcism to to, to get to stop doing that and. Pete, Pete was a big gu- source of guidance for me. He said, you know, he was the one who pointed out, and this is something I've always kept in mind when working on this, that all oscillators operate under the Barkhausen criteria.
1: A so, beta equals one.
0: There you go. So you got to just look at it and say, okay, for some, for some reason, the output is getting back into the input, and the thing is chasing its tail like a crazy cat. Um, and what you have to do is break that that feedback loop, and figure out how the how the output is getting back to the input and and break the Barkhausen criteria. So, Pete, what you, but you're much better at this than I am. What you, what would you say?
1: Well, I, I think the, the my experience with the IR five ten it comes to about three problems. One is layout, and uh, I'll, I'll send you a photograph, Steve, of of a layout that I've adopted as a standard layout. And it, it kind of keeps things isolated so that you prevent the ends from going into the outs or the outs going in, into the end. So layout is one. The other thing I found is bypassing, uh, where you where you typically uh, feed uh, with an RF choke into the bifiller transformer. Uh, you, I put some pretty heavy-duty bypassing in there, like uh, sometimes 220 microfarad and so that that plays a part the other thing is i don't know what you're doing for the uh transformer but i typically find uh that i put about eight to ten turns by fuller turns i don't know what what you've got for your turns ratio and uh i also have uh, understood that uh, people have had better success with the uh, ball and core versus the standard toroid form the ball and core and they get uh, they get a better match so uh those are some of the things that that you need to look at and also a good stiff supply you need to make sure and you got to have make sure you're decoupled to the dc dc supplies so those are some things i'll I'll send you some photographs of, of the standard layout matter of fact i've got it on for the cnc machine so i can just say uh, i want an ir 510 and i i cut the i cut the part but the layout will let you do it Manhattan style. Give you some ideas so that there, I, I've seen them take off. As a matter of fact, the first one I see them take off was in the first Vitecs I ever built, about ten or twelve years ago, the, the uh, X 20, and and that's where I chased this thing down. It was was the fact that it was my layout was not was not good, so not adopted the standard layout. Send that to you. Yeah,
0: I'll I'll agree with Pete on that, and I, and I think the what the way you can really see the importance of layout is with the, the, the BIDX40 module and the micro BIDX transceiver put out by a homebrew hero, Ashar Farhan in Hyderabad. You know, people people have trouble, you know, getting it going and getting the rig going, but one thing you never hear about is feedback in the power amplifier, and that's because I think he's got a really good layout, both on the micro BIDX and the BIDX40, for that power amplifier and I, I've really been impressed because I've struggled with feedback so often with with the IRF 510s and here you have you know Farhan producing thousands of these things and you never hear somebody saying well the irf 510s are taken off on me because he's got good layout in there as Pete indicated the other thing the other hint that I would give and again this is echoing something that Pete just said is on the supply so often the feedback is taken is occurring because of feedback through the DC the 12 volt supply to both the final and to the rest of the rig. So one of the things you can do to to find out if that's in fact the case is just temporarily try running the IRF510 off a completely separate DC supply. If you have a little 12 volt gel cell, put it towards the back of the rig and power the, the IRF-510 with the 12 volts from that gel cell and power the rest of the rig from your regular supply. If in that case the, 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 the feedback disappears, then you've come pretty close to isolating it and you realize that, you're, that, that your problem is having sufficiently strong bypass to make sure that there's no RF getting on that, that DC supply line because that could be where you're getting the Barkhouse criterion met. So that's, that's what I would do.
1: The other thing is, what are you using for a bias? Are you using a Zener diode or a three-terminal regulator?
3: Uh, Zener.
1: Uh, I'd switch to a three-terminal regulator.
3: Okay. Yep. And that gives you
1: better isolation from your main source into the regulator versus just a dropping resistor.
3: No, it's the classic thing. I've got one version of it built prototype, and it works beautifully. I've got this one on the PCB, and it's a bag of spanners, you know. So. <laughs> but you've given me some good food for thought. Has anybody thought of questions that you like to I've got one. Go on, Don, come forward. We've got Don Baines coming to ask you a question. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. Uh, have you got any views on what antennas people should be using uh, running QRP?
0: Oh, antennas. Should I go first? Go! Okay. Go! Well, you know, I, I recently had some antenna changes here at my station because by the the, the terrible weather that we had this past winter. I had a, a Moxon antenna, a very British Moxon antenna designed by Les Moxon that I built for 17 meters, and it was great fun. I, I have a very British joke about this antenna that, first of all, not only was it designed by Les Moxon, but I made it almost in a very homebrew style with scrap lumber, some fishing poles, a bit of wire, and and it went up there. And I, I, I would tell people that I, I really love this antenna because I estimate that it only cost me about nine pounds, and it also weighed about nine pounds. So uh, it, was, it was a wonderful antenna, and it, it stayed up there for many years, but we have these storms here in the northeast called nor'easters. They're basically winter hurricanes that come up the east coast from the south. And when they hit, they hit very hard. And this, this one, the last one that we had this winter actually snapped one of the fiberglass fishing poles that held the thing up. So down came my beloved Moxon. And I was sitting here thinking, okay, when the spring comes around, I'm going to put up another one. But then I looked at the sunspot numbers, and I got discouraged about 17 meters. And then I said, well, okay, maybe I'll make it a bit bigger and make it for 20 meters, but I looked at the sunspot numbers again, and I got even discouraged about 20 meters. So I decided to go lower in frequency, and I, I had picked up at a ham fest a, uh, a dipole. I, n- I never thought in my life that I would buy a dipole. It always seemed to me to be a bit of a kind of foolishness. Who would go out and buy a dipole? But this thing was sitting there at the ham fest, and it only cost uh, about 5 bucks U.S., so I got it, and it had this wonderful reel of about 100 feet of 450-ohm window line, kind of a ladder line, open wire feeder. So then I decided at this point that the radio guides had spoken and that I was not going to put up a 17-meter Moxon or a 20-meter moxin. Instead, I was going to use that support that I had on my roof to hold up the center part of a 135-foot doublet, 135 feet total, fed by open wire line, I rigged up a little um, balanced antenna tuner using some inspiration from from the GQ, from from the RSGB handbook and a couple of coils from dead Heathkit DX40 transmitters, and it works. And for me, it's it's a great antenna because it, it allows me to get on almost all of the lower bands. Uh, so I I can tune it up easily on 75. 60 meters. We have 60 meters here, and it's uh, 60 meters got a lot of potential. 40 meters, even on 30 meters. I've had I've had CW QSOs on 60 meters, which is really for me quite bizarre. But uh, and also I've been on 30 meters, even though I'm not much of a CW guy anymore. But it's a very useful antenna. I would just advise you to sort of think about where we are in the sunspot cycle, and it might be worthwhile later on in a few years to think about. A uh, more directional antenna for for twenty and the uh, the higher bands, but right now I, I think that the way to go is lower in frequency. Pete, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I agree, Bill. I agree. I have a uh, I have a dipole and, that I use uh, primarily on forty meters, but it's three half wave lengths twenty. It's actually a gate antenna and um it's not up very high and uh it, i work a lot of dx with it so um I, and it's it's fed with line, and then i've got a nine to one column and i've got an antenna tuner in the shack and there are matter of fact a lot of really good ideas come out, out of uh, antenna and anecdotes uh colin turner uh i, I always look at the, you know that see what People are doing and there's some I think two issues though is, was on a doublet antenna for a small size lock so uh, I I think it works it works good you're you I'm seeing more DX on 40 meters than I am on 20 because where the quad cycle is so really uh, doublet event is the way to go
0: and one one other thing along those lines you know um, for for QRP even if if the 40 meter dipole or or the 75 meter dipole or the or the doublet isn't as high up as it needs to be for optimal low angle radiation where where you guys are in the UK i mean you you're ideally situated for nvis you know near vertical incidence you know have have that rf go up at at not a not a vertical but but you know up 45 degrees or so and it'll come back down and you'll have all of Europe you'll be quite strong my my 40 meter antenna is, is quite low to the ground here so a lot of the rf is going going up and coming down at pretty steep angles but this is great for me because everybody's remarking about what a tremendous big signal I have you know in North Carolina or New England now it's not not the best for DX but but I'm a bit of a rag chewer so it doesn't really matter to me but I agree with Pete too you'll find a lot of DX on 40 you know I worked South Africa on 40 here with the with the homebrew rig so it's uh, I, would, I would I think that's good advice from Pete okay, thanks, guys. okay.
3: Okay, well, great. Thanks to to both of you for getting up at the uh, unearthly hour this morning, and uh, I hope it's, it's all day. dark thirty <laughs> out here. You,
0: Pete, <laughs> Pete, you know, it's not so bad for me, but Pete's the real hero of this show. Tell him what time you got up this morning, Pete. Uh, three o'clock
1: in the morning.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the things you do for QRP. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's
0: yeah, it. Yeah, dedication. Yeah. But we're we're both really happy to do it because we owe so much to the GQRP club. And again, we just want to say thanks to you guys for for everything you do and putting the magazine out and keeping the organization together. So thanks very much and good luck.
3: Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you very much again, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, a round of applause and satisfaction. Yeah. <laughs> Super. So seven threes and seven twos. Seven three, good
0: seven time. two. See you guys. Thanks. <laughs>
1: Ooh, that's awesome.
2: The Sodder Smoke podcast is produced once or twice a month using roadkill computers in an electronics workshop somewhere in the wilds of Northern Virginia. The podcast is available via iTunes and directly from our website, soddersmoke.com. Our blog, the Sodder Smoke Daily News, is at soddersmoke.blogspot.com. Send email to soddersmoke, that's one word, at yahoo.com. Sodder Smoke is listener-supported. And there are many ways you can help keep the podcast going. Please spread the word. Let your friends know about Solder Smoke, the podcast, and our blog. Put links to the podcast and the blog on your websites. Buy a copy of the critically acclaimed book Solder Smoke: Global Adventures in Wireless Electronics, available from Lulu.com. Begin all your visits to Amazon via the Amazon link on our blog page. In this way, Solder Smoke gets a commission from anything you buy on Amazon. Buy some of our attractive Solder Smoke T-shirts, coffee mugs, and bumper stickers at the Solder Smoke store at CafePress.com. If you have a small business, consider advertising on the podcast or on the blog. Our rates are reasonable and our staff is friendly. If none of this appeals to you but you still want to help, well, we have a donation button in the upper left-hand corner of the blog page. However you choose to help, we thank you for your support. Ciao, bravi ragazzi!